Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast, where being negative can be a good thing and being positive can turn the world against you. Hello, I am your HIV positive host, Miss Jennifer Lee Vaughn, and this is episode 75. Welcome in, everyone. Do you like that new greeting? I can't stand it. <laughs> and I'm never using it again. I don't know where this started from or why it needed to happen, but they're saying it all the time everywhere you go welcome in you I can't stand it hope everybody's doing well I am doing great it's Sunday evening and it's been a nice quiet weekend for myself and going back to work tomorrow um, we've had snow in the area which is kind of crazy more around the mountaintops in Watsonville but actually it landed and stuck um, on the ground at the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk I don't believe that that has happened since 1976. I was six years old at the time, and I do remember when it snowed um, San Carlos, California. My sister was screaming that there was snow outside, and I truly thought that I was dreaming, and there was no way it was true. And I got out of bed and looked out our big picture window, and there was snow all over our lawn, and it was amazing. It felt like a miracle. So um, it's pretty neat to see snow at sea level where we live this is just not the norm here so it's obviously very cold again my closet is freezing I don't know if I just said that before but my closet is freezing um, but I'm just trying to get through it um, my heat doesn't make its way into the closet so we're just gonna sit here and uh, try to stay warm uh, regardless so okay uh, what else is new is very cute my daughter told me the other day when I was driving her home that she had listened to my podcast and I was like what why are you listening to my podcast? I did not think my kids listen to my podcast. I'm pretty sure for the most part, the other two do not. But she said, so sweet. She said she was having trouble going to sleep the other night. And so she put on my podcast because she said it helped listening to her mommy. <laughs> so freaking cute. So I love you, Ryan. If you hear this, that just made me feel really good. She knows that I told her. Very sweet. What else is going on? And my brother, he listens too. Hi, Brian. Um, I bought tickets to Depeche Mode this week, not till, it's not till December 3rd, and I'm taking Joey, and I'm, I'm beyond excited. Um, I haven't seen them in 36 years. The last time I saw them was 1987 at the Cow Palace, and that's um, near San Francisco, or I guess it's South San Francisco, technically, but um, that concert... Um, yeah, I was never the same after that. Dave Gahan was in white denim jeans and a white wife beater and he does his thing on stage where he puts his arms straight out and then spins in a circle and I I just remember like oh my god just dying watching this man up on stage so gorgeous and I knew all the songs and it was so much fun it was just me starting to explore live music and um, Depeche Mode was certainly part of those years of my life that were shaping the years of those that the years of my life at that time Depeche Mode, Def Leppard, Duran Duran, U2, those were the big ones that really like bring back a lot of memories. So I haven't seen them since then. And I mean, never in a million years would I have gone to that concert and thought the next time I go to see them, and it will be in San Francisco, it will be you know, 36 years from now, I'll be 53 and I'll be bringing my 22 year old daughter. Actually, she'll be 23 at the time, um, by the time the concert happens. So just mm, so exciting. And Joey knows a lot of Depeche Mode songs. So she'll like definitely get excited as well. You know, I'm probably not as excited as I will be, but she will definitely you know, get into it and she will appreciate me freaking out because I'm going to cry through the whole thing because it's like, Again, I've talked about music and just music through your life and how it's just amazing that these artists continue to bring the music from our past to us. 
And what a, what a beautiful thing that is for them to do that because they literally are helping us like relive our past and, and these moments that we had from our youth. And it's, it's just an unreal feeling. So thank you already to, um, Depeche Mode for doing this and coming back and um, playing all your songs again for us. So excited. I can't even, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Um, I want to thank Marissa Ortiz for my coffee. Thank you. Thank you, Marissa. I had, um, I don't think I've, I've officially thanked you on my Instagram or maybe I did. I'm losing track. I think I did. Um, let's see. We're going to go to some YouTube comments. I was able to record this much better this last time instead of it taking um, 24 hours to download it because of the 4k resolution that I had recorded it in last time went for the HD 30 and it took 20 minutes <laughs> to upload it or whatever. It was so fast, huge, huge difference. And the, the video like resolution on YouTube actually looks better in the lower resolution. And I don't know why, but it does. It looks better. Um, so yeah, there's no filter or anything. It's just lighting and HD 30 resolution. Um, okay. I've got some comments here from the last video. Mauricio says you're like an angel. Thank you for everything you do. You're very welcome, Mauricio. Thank you for listening. Um, Augusto, I'll just leave it at that. He says you are so interesting. Well, thank you. Um, let's see. Oh, Demo turds. What a name. Um, wow. You are so pretty coming from Maine. Okay. Thank you. Coming from California. Um, I got a bunch of like love yous from some M human. You are an inspiration for many. This is too much. Sorry. I don't want to keep reading all the ones that are telling me that I'm I'm this and that, but, uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. Uh, JC says, happy you're back to videoing your podcast part podcast. You look terrific. If you hadn't shared your age, I'd never have believed you're even in your forties. Um, if I didn't think so, I just say nothing. Perhaps I should try a low resolution camera. However, I'm thinking I'll take more than that. It'll take more than that to de-age me. Never tried Botox or any fillers. Maybe I should. Yeah, do it. They're fun. I need to go back soon. Um, let's see. Jen, I'm a male born in September 1971, basically a year after me. You're still having dates with people? My HIV diagnosis six months ago has shocked me into celibacy. No more of coming into contact with another, another's body fluids for me. That's really sad, but I understand. But, um, you know, it's every, to each their own, I guess. I don't know. For me, um, that's obviously having HIV is not going to stop me from dating people. So, but it's sad that people feel that traumatized by what happened to them that they actually don't even want to be near. I don't, I don't take from it that this person doesn't want to, um, be near someone cause they're afraid they're going to give them something. It's actually, they're afraid of being near somebody cause they don't want to get anything else because HIV was so traumatic for them. So, and I understand that. Um, Someone says, okay, Nancy, you look good. I like your hairstyle. Thank you, Nancy. Um, David Spade. Oh, this is Brooke. David Spade's views story. I'm so excited to start my life with him. Ha ha ha. She says, I'm, and I'm sure it isn't his assistant. She believes it's him. She goes, I definitely think it's him. Um, you should tag him again someday in a story and slide into his DMs. You never know. Ha ha. <laughs> I've made myself pretty well known to him. I've, I've tagged him in enough things and he has not said a thing to me. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, 
somebody thought the vibrator story was very funny. Um, let's see. JM says, the way you are doing this podcast on your YouTube is perfect. You don't need to look at the camera at all or all the time. Just do your podcast like the camera is not there. <laughs> uh, just being able to see you while you're doing this is good enough. We can see the facial expressions and body language. Keep it up. Awesome. Um, oh, someone said turnstile was right, not turnstall. Turnstile, that's right. Um, yes, someone says could have gone, not went. Also, not could have gone. No, it's could have gone. Um, so that bothered them as well. I've got some more of those coming up. Um, a lot of these are just telling me that I look pretty, so I don't want to read all those, but thank you. Um, I think that is all I wanted to cover on the YouTube comments. Let's see. Yep, that's it. Okay, so next. So, um, okay, this is called Grammar Nazi Corner until I come up with something better. The first word we're going to go over today is the word A-S-S-A-U-L-T. I pronounce this assault. She was assaulted by the man. My daughter says assault, assault, like she's saying sulking. It's assault. This drives me crazy. And we've gone over and over this. And you know what we found on the internet? That they say it both ways. But I've never in my entire life ever heard of assault. And then I heard it on a podcast and Joey says it and I'm just like, no, it's assault. Like salt and pepper, assault. Okay, that's just me. Um, this one, I know people feel that both are correct. But for me, only one feels correct. When I say that I took something personally, I'll say I took it personally. But I will hear people say... Um, I, t you know, don't take it personal, but I'm like, Lee, personal Lee. Like I like personally, but I know both are correct, but it, I just prefer personally. Um, this one really bothers me. And I think I've talked about it in the past. And I actually just wrote to Tyson from Survivor, who does a great podcast on the reality TV network. Uh, right now he's interviewing people from Survivor and their casting stories. So it's really interesting to hear about all of the background things that happen prior to like finding out that you're on the show, the, all the interviews and them, you know, flying you out and the shots that you have to get and all this stuff. Like, I mean, like shots in your butt kind of shots because you're going to another country and all that. Anyways, um, I was listening on there and um, for the most part, Tyson said it right, but at one point he didn't and he really disappointed me. So when people are cast on a show, that's it. That's the past tense. But a lot of times reality people, I don't know if they're just not paying enough attention in school or not, or they came up with this on their own and they've all decided it's correct, but it's not. And I wrote to Tyson. I literally wrote to him today and said, please, please, please sp spread the word about this, that people are saying it wrong. So they will say that they got casted on the show. And I looked it up and it says, casted is an incorrect past tense conjugation of of cast I can't talk of cast and it basically um it said something about like it's from like medieval times or something it's from a long time ago it's not proper like um current English present day English so it's I was cast on the show she got cast on the show it's not casted casted is wrong okay another one I heard the other day family oriented She's very family oriented. I heard this on a reality show and the girl said she's 
very family orientated. No, there's no extra AT in there. It's oriented, family oriented, not orientated. This is another one that's similar to that, which drives me nuts, but I hear people that I actually know and I don't want them to know that I know uh, that they're saying it wrong and I don't want them to know that I would like correct them or anything. But um, so when you're talking with somebody and you tell somebody about a conversation you were having with them and that you'd conversed with them, that's fine. We conversed. We didn't conversate. That's not a thing. People will say we con we were, you know, we conversated. <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but I do notice that a lot of people say that it's not, it's we conversed or, you know, we, uh, they conversed or whatever, not we conversated. There's no, we had a conversation, sure, but conversated is not a word. Okay, enough of my grammar Nazi corner, but those are um, some that I had thought of over the week, so I wanted to to say something about those. I'm looking at my notes, like thinking ahead, like how much do I want to say about this? How much do I want to say about that? Um, hmm. I will say my cat, my cat, no, my daughter's cat. She has a new cat. Joey and Ryan have a new cat named Ozzy that we basically saved from this neighborhood. It was sort of up in the air on whether we thought he was feral or not, but he's so sweet with them that it just doesn't seem that way. But when he's around me, he has been kind of a dick. And so I am... Um, was at their house one night, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and he was on a chair. And a thing he does to them is he will rub up to their faces. Like he rubs his face on their faces. I've never had a cat do that. So I really want him to do this to me. I need this to happen. But he runs for me every time I go there. So um, did I say how we got him? Yeah, we like, anyways, he's their cat. Joey's chipped him and everything. Like she got him fixed and everything. But he was kind of a neglected cat in this neighborhood and we weren't sure who was taking care of him or anything. And someone had a, um, one of my neighbors sent me a picture from her ring camera where he was sitting on her front porch with, he had a little baby t-shirt on. Like this is the house that he'd come from that people are not taking good care of him. They have a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of animals at their house that we think are not being treated well. But anyways, my daughters, we got a hold of him because he was in my a, like backyard and garage, like every night crying for food. And then Toby would fight with him and stuff. So it wasn't a good fit for him to be around my house. Anyways, he's safe and sound in their place and he's been fixed and he's being fed on a regular basis and he's happy and he's not going outside and all this. But anyways, so I get near him. He's on a big chair in Joey's room with, um, it's kind of like a um, rolling chair with, you know, this arms and everything. So he's sort of cornered in this chair and he's sitting on it and he's looking at me and I'm, I'm thinking this is my moment. I'm going to go up to him and put my face near him and he's going to rub up to me. Well, his eyes were big and I should have known, but he, what did he do instead? He attacked my head, my face. Like he literally jumped at me, bit my head and clawed me with both his paws. Like I was so surprised. I've never, I've never had a cat do that. Honestly, cats just always seem to know that they shouldn't bite your face or your head. I don't know. I've never had a cat do that. Been around cats my whole life. So it was kind of a shock, but I sort of understood, obviously he felt cornered. So I thought that was like bad, my bad. Um, so anyways, of course my feelings were a little bit hurt because I want him to like me, but he didn't. So, um, then he had to spend a little bit of time over here because at their house, they were having their house sprayed for fleas. And so they needed to be out of the house for like three hours. So they brought him over here and the front room where Joey used to live is an empty room. And so 
he was in there and I had him um, up on this windowsill. There's like a cutout into the window, if you know what I mean. Like there's a ledge that you can even, you know, sit on or put stuffed animals on or whatever. He was sitting on that and then he had his arms resting on the windowsill, which was up a little bit higher. He looked so cute and he was really looking out the window like maybe he recognized the neighborhood because this is where he's from. And it all seemed so sweet. So I was petting him a little bit and he was kind of annoyed because he doesn't really like to be pet. Um, but his eyes were not big and black. They were just a little tiny slit, you know, his little black of his eyes was just a little slit. So I thought, oh, he's, he's in a good mood. So I think this is the moment that he wants to maybe, you know, be close to me. So I get my face right up to him and he turns and looks at me. And it was like the second we made eye contact, that was it. It was over. He did the same thing. He bit me and scratched my face. And then he let go and did it again. Like I couldn't even, I like, I recoiled cause I, he hit me so fast and so hard. And I, you know, you cover your eyes cause it's like, that's the first thing you think of protecting. And then he did it again. Like it was so fast. It was like a viper. I mean, it was just like, bam, bam. And, um, I was like, <laughs> I remember just feeling like I was going to have blood dripping off my face as I walked out of the room. Weirdly enough, nothing bled out of my face. I just had scratches. And then there was a scratch on my scalp that um, I could feel like the next day and it was like dried blood on my scalp. I'm like, oh my gosh, poor Ryan felt so bad. Anyways, I will not be trying that again with Ozzy. He clearly does not like me near his face. So I don't know, unless he walks up onto my lap at their house and decides he wants to rub up against my face. That is the end of it. I'm not trying that again. But yeah, very, um, yeah, it was like, wow, I've just never had a cat do that. And uh kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, somebody had asked, Lynn Hoover had asked if I ever got my money back from Eric with regards to the pot and growing the plants for him. Um, I had dished out about $2,500 for rent and money for their this whole weed idea in my closet. Um the answer to that is no. Um, at the time I got nothing. And so it was just one of those like, wow, that was just, I'm going to have to just chalk this up to fun times with him. And, you know, I guess I just lost out. But when I was diagnosed and I got a hold of him and told him how sick I was and he felt very bad about it, um, he said that he wanted to try to help me, um, as much, you know, for, I mean, I don't really know if it was to help me or, or just to make himself feel better or whatever, but he sent me a check for a thousand dollars. So, um, I, you know, I don't know what his financial situation is. I know that he doesn't have to pay rent. He lives with his mom and I know he is working. Um, I've never seen any more money from him, but you know, he's got four kids and he probably owes a ton in back child support. So I know that comes first, obviously. And yeah, I'm assuming that's just the end of that. I will never see anything more, but I did get a thousand back. So I guess I, shouldn't sneeze at that. It was, um, better than nothing. Um, okay. Let's see. I told you guys about my police drama last week and I, uh, told the person, I saw the person, um, who I'd been at. Remember I told you that I had been at, um, my, I don't know what to call him. Um, I guess situationship is probably the most appropriate term at this point. I was at his place and that's where I had come from. And so when the police officer asked me where I was coming from, 
I didn't want to say from home because clearly they can look up my address and know that I would, would have been lying. So I said that I was coming from my boyfriend's because like that's just what came out of my mouth. So when I saw my situation chip on Friday night, um, I told him this story. And before I told him what I said to the police, he stepped in and said, you should have just said that you were at your boyfriend's. I'm like, that's actually what I said. <laughs> I said, I did say that. And he goes, yeah, that's what I would say. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, why are you suggesting that I say that? Um, yeah, so I still don't know what that means at all. I mean, it's interesting. We see each other when we see each other. It's just at his place and it's just to spend the night and it's just to, you know, do adult things. Um, and then we don't really talk very much outside of that. Like when I leave, like there's not much texting or anything. So like, again, I really don't know what to think of this at the moment. But, um, you know, it feels good when we're together. I mean, it's nice. So, I mean, our lives are very different. He doesn't have kids or anything. So um, I think it just, it is what it is. And I'm fine with that at the moment. So, um, okay, let's see. This last week was my seven-year anniversary of my, or as we call it, our hiv ursary. hiv ursary. That doesn't sound right, but that's what they call it. Um my seven year anniversary of my diagnosis. So it was on September 15th, 2023. And I got some memories that had come up from, I think it was Snapfish or Shutter, Shutterfly. I don't remember which ones, but it said, um, would you like to relive these memories? These are, they're like the pictures of me dying on the couch. I'm like, I'm good. Thanks though. Yeah. Great memories. It's funny what they come up with. Uh, they always seem to show you the stuff that you um, don't want to see, like the ex-boyfriends and stuff like that. But uh, these are always these are always kind of nice to see in a way, just because they always make me realize how far I've come and how hard that time was, and makes me really appreciate where I am now. But yeah, I thought it was really funny. They asked, "Would you like to relive these memories?" And no, no, thank you. I'm good. Um, okay. HIV TikTok on. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is another one. Um, I did a TikTok about, oh, what was the one with that sound effect where I, the guy says it was, it was bad. It was about to get worse. That was it. He was saying it was worse. Um, I wish I could play these things, but again, they're on my phone and my phone's recording me right now. Anyways, it was a basically an HIV TikTok that I would normally only put on my pause gen. My pause gen is P-O-Z-J-E-N-N IG account. But I just decided because I thought it was pretty freaking funny that I would just share it on my Jennifer Lee Vaughn Instagram. Well, there happens to be a guy that I'm talking to. We've matched on Tinder. And so he, I gave him that Instagram because he said he'd rather talk through Instagram. So, I mean my whole name's on there. It says Jennifer Levon. So if he wanted to look me up on the internet, he could have, but guys just don't do that kind of stuff. So anyways, I put that, that TikTok, it's about me having HIV in one picture and then AIDS in the next. So it's like me reacting to that. It, it got, it was worse, but then it got wor worse is what the guy says. Um, you have to see the video. It's very funny. Um, anyways, so it shows me with, you know, being really sick in both pictures and, he hearted it. So this was kind of my way to see if he would watch that and be like, um, what's this all about? Right? No, he hearts it. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I write to him, his name's Cameron. And I said, um, 
and he, by the way, he doesn't live any near anywhere near me. He's in San Diego, but, um, anyways, he's, he's a very, very cute guy. Um, I say you hearted my video. Did you not realize I'm the sick girl in the pictures? And he said, Oh no, no way. He goes, Oh my God, I feel so bad. He goes, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, you know, and I tell him a little bit right off. Cause of course this is a potential, you know, who knows? I'm sure I'll never meet him cause he lives so far away and he's young and all that, but he's, he's very cute and he's very attentive. So anyways, I just, um, thought that he would be like weirded out, but it was sort of my way of testing it. Cause it wouldn't have hurt my feelings if he like blocked me or got rid of me or whatever, because the odds of me meeting him are pretty low anyways. Um, so it was sort of a test, but it, he literally asked nothing. Like, I don't, I can't even believe it. I basically just told him, yeah, I can't transmit it. Cause I barely even have it because of the pill I take. And yeah, everything's cool. I'm fine. And I talk about it on the internet so that people don't freak out and all that. And, um, he said, not, he was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he just continued to talk to me as if nothing had happened and that had never come up and continued to flirt with me. And I don't know what to make of it. Like, I really don't. I thought he might ask a little bit, but he asked nothing. Okay. I've been hanging on to this. Um, it's from my comments section. Oh, here it is. Um, on YouTube. And I just wanted to read this just to give some perspective of what HIV was like back in 1996. You know, I got it, well, I was diagnosed in 2013. And I know my doctor had said if it had been 10 to 15 years earlier, which would have been like 98, um, that I could have died for sure. So here is an example of somebody who did not make it in 96. So this is from, um, this is a public comment. So it's okay that I'm saying her name, um, VM. And she said, my mom died in 1996 from AIDS, IV drug use. There were no available options at the time. It was treated like an airborne disease. She was in quarantine and we had to wear protective gear from head to toe to even walk in her room. Terrible and traumatizing times. Other than her going um, to some treatment center every morning for the cocktail that she needed. I guess there were some mornings I didn't want to go make the call for the transportation needed because she felt so horrible. We didn't have a home phone. So no matter the weather, if she wasn't up for it, I would have to go to a pay phone to call them by a certain time to let them know they didn't need to pick her up. Um, we were told as kids that it was lung cancer. She was a smoker and this diagnosis would explain why she passed so quick as lung cancer progresses quickly. She didn't want the family to tell us. Didn't find out till I was 24 when I found her death certificate, what the real cause was. I just wish she had medication options. It's awful what she went through. I was almost 12 years old taking care of her. Yes, she didn't make the best decisions, but she was human. And I still feel like she did the best she could with the hand she was dealt. Fucking heartbreaking regardless. So I just wanted to share that from her and just to get perspectives from others about um, how people have been affected by HIV and AIDS through the years very sad. And, um, yeah, the whole thing is really heartbreaking. Um, so thank you V for sharing that. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, kind of on a different note, but HIV related, um, Edward from, <clears throat> so, um, he's from my social media. Well, I actually met Edward in person. He's, um, cyber homo. He was on my live on 
TikTok the other night, and we were talking about Cabanuva because he's been a Cabanuva guinea pig since the get-go. I think he's been on it for over a year. And he said that his doctor is going to switch him to Senluca, which is what I thought was only for people who were super resistant to, like, everything, and that was the last option they had. Um and typically those are people who have just not stayed in care, meaning they just haven't stayed on the treatment and they keep becoming resistant to medications because they're not taking the medications as prescribed. Again, if you take them as prescribed, just meaning every day, every 24 hours, you don't become resistant to them. So um, I th that's what I had read that I think it's Senluca is the name of it. It's another injectable, but it's good for every six months. So Edward told me he's switching to it. He goes, it's going to happen soon. And he's in Los Angeles and he's on Medi-Cal also, which is what I have. But, um, you know, I just haven't wanted to do Cabanuva because of going to the doctor's office more often. And also because of the injection site pain, he swears it's not that bad. So again, he's going to be my guinea pig and I'll let you guys know, you know, anything I know from him whenever he starts it and how it goes. Um, but six months at a time is really incredible. And um, he said even for him, taking the pill every day was not easy on him mentally, which is surprising because he's like a really easygoing guy who's talked openly about HIV on his Instagram. And um, but he felt like the switching to the injections was so much better for his mental health. And he said that um, it took a while to get used to it because he said he would literally like, you know, for like the first couple of weeks, he'd be like, Oh my God, did I forget to take my pill? And then you'd be like, Oh, that's right. I don't have to take a pill. Like it's all done. It's taken care of. It's like, he literally doesn't feel like he has HIV because there's not this reminder every day that he has this pill that he has to take. So for him, he said that, um, that was just a great benefit to changing to the injections versus the pill every day. So I'm going to watch and see how it goes for him. And then, um, you know, we'll, we shall see. Maybe I'll switch to that. I don't know. Um, last week also I had talked about somebody from Romania who's HIV positive who had trouble getting treatment. And then I wasn't able to like expand on that much last week. But in the meantime, this week he sent me a post from, it's called glazed, G-L-A-Z-E-D hands, H-A-N-D-S, all one word from their Instagram post. And it's basically, cart it's done in cartoon form and it's his story. And he said to me that um, there, there was a non-governmental organization that helped him get his pills before Romania decided to start him on his treatment. But this is the story of what, and I know I can't show this, but I'm just going to kind of read a little bit of it. And it's like a guy sitting on a stage, almost like he's doing stand up, and he's got like some word bubbles around him. And he says, when I found out that I am living with HIV, I was mostly scared of the stigma and the problems in the medical system, not the condition itself. I knew that if you took the treatment, you could live a long, happy life. Even though in other countries, the medication is given for three months or six months at a time in Romania, there are, are often interruptions. He says, normally you have to start taking medication right after you get your diagnosis, which is the protocol. You take it, you know, you get it right away. 
He says, imagine knowing that you are HIV positive. The flu season is in full swing. You become weaker day by day, and they are not offering you any treatment. He says, I come from a small town in Western Romania. The hospital there needed to order the treatment, and I had to wait for a very long time. He said, five months passed. They were still not giving me my treatment, and I was scared. I felt like my life and well-being were not valued. Every week, they told me to come back the next one, only with the help from sends positive. That's probably the, um, the non-governmental organization. I managed to finally get my pills. He said, I told them I can't come each month because I work outside of Romania. And so they said to him, if you work outside, why don't you take your treatment there? And he said, if I could get it there or here, I would stop begging you for it. I work in a country where I could get deported if they find out that I'm positive. So after a lot of struggle, they accepted a document granting my mom the right to get the pills for me. So that conversation prior to that was him talking to somebody in Romania at a hospital. The first month she managed to get them, but the following month they refused her without any explanation. The solution was to move to another hospital in a different city where a friend could get me the medication. The people back the people there understood my situation. When I'm back in Romania, they test me. We talk and they are very friendly. Okay, so okay, so it's a different city. Um, in my hometown, they, are simp they simply didn't want to help me. Each month I was fighting for the pills that my life is dependent on. So um, I just wanted to just come back and uh, circle back to that because I had talked about it last week and I really didn't have um, all the information on it. And then this post came up and so I shared it on my story and I just wanted to... Um, share it with you guys again to let you know that it is not always so easy to get treatment. Um, as I typically state, there are things that can get in the way, unfortunately, still, um, when this should be very simple for us to get treatment, it isn't always that way. So thank you again, uh, Anonymous, for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Um, somebody wrote to me on TikTok and said, ask your doctor about the new cancer drug that's curing HIV patients. I recently saw it in the news two days ago. And then she put a little couple hearts. <laughs> so what this is, it's not an HIV cure. Um, and this happens every single time this happens with somebody that's cured of HIV who has um, cancer as well. So it was the fifth person cured of HIV. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a transplant. It's a stem cell transplant where the donor happens to have a genetic mutation or resistance to the CCR5 receptor, and it just stops HIV from entering the immune cells or our CD4 cells. So they have this genetic predisposition to HIV where they can't, it doesn't actually take over their body. Nothing happens when they, if they contracted it, nothing would happen. Um, I've been told it's 2% of European men who have this genetic predisposition. So these donors were just lucky that that's happened to be, that happened to be, or not the donors, the, the cancer patients just happened to be very lucky that their donor happened to be one of these people that had this genetic predisposition. Um, this is not a practical cure for the masses. I always say that this was just a happy accident that they got 
this particular donor and they happen to have um, HIV as well as cancer. This is treatment for cancer. It wasn't to cure HIV. So it's, again, basically a happy accident. And I'll just leave it at that. But this comes up every single time. And people are so funny that they think I, first of all, wouldn't have known about this. And secondly, that, um, you know, I can just go down to my doctor and say, hey, can you just give me that cancer drug cure that, you know, the one where you give me like a stem cell transplant? Shouldn't be too long of a process, right? Can you just get it done during my lunch or something? <laughs> you know, I don't know what people are thinking. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, let's see. I'm going to tell you my um, my story of something that came up the other day. I thought this was kind of a fun one. So on Thursday, I get a text from, I don't know that I talked about him on here. I think I might have, but if I didn't, I'm going to be kind of vague. He was basically, he's a teacher I've worked with. Um, he's been in the district a long time. He's a PE teacher and he's also was a coach at my son's high school for many years because his sons went there also. We've been out on, or we have gone out on like four dates. We had back in 2021, um, we had, uh, I was his first, we, okay. Things got physical one night and uh, his ex found out about it, his ex-wife. He had been single for months. Like they weren't living together or anything, but for whatever reason, she found out he felt guilty. Yes. He knows about my diagnosis. It wasn't an issue, um, as it should not be. But anyways, um, he, um, I don't know. It just stopped the momentum of what was ever, whatever was happening with us. It's just stopped because he kind of freaked out. So we just sort of, um, faded away from each other at that point. And then I asked him to a concert and then it wasn't going to work out. And then it was going to work. It was crazy back and forth. And then all of a sudden he was able to go and then he got COVID and he actually sent me his COVID results with the date and everything. Like I could see he wasn't making it up. So he couldn't go to the concert and that would have been this last June. And then we just, I don't know, we don't talk for whatever reason. And I mean, I have nothing in, against him. I'm not mad, mad at him or anything, but, um, I, what I've heard is that he might have a girlfriend. So anyways, he sends me a message and he says that, you know, completely out of the blue, Jen, just wondering if you'd be interested in this. And I understand if you're not, you know, have a great weekend otherwise, but I have two tickets to Springsteen in Portland, Oregon tomorrow, or Saturday night. Um, would you like to go? He goes, uh, hotels paid for your flight would be paid for the tickets are paid for. You just need to go. And that's it. And I'm like, what? So anyways, I'm like dying. Cause the thought of this is crazy. First of all, I've never been, how have I never been to Oregon or Washington? I live in California. I never have. I haven't been to either of those States. So it would be kind of this exciting last minutes. It's very spontaneous. Um, I've enjoyed hanging out with him in the past. It would have been like possibly a romantic weekend. Like I didn't really know what to make of it, but it would have been, you know, like clearly shared a hotel room together for two nights, um, flying somewhere together, you know, going to another city together. This all sounded so fun and exciting and romantic. So I gave it a little bit of thought. I called him on my lunch break. We, he said, the only thing is, is I have to go to, um, Alaska airlines to see if I can get the ticket changed into your name. And he goes full transparency. 
And I didn't ask him any more about this. He just said the person I was going to take flaked on me. So I don't know what that meant. More than likely, I would say that that was a woman. I would say it was probably a love interest. I would say, who knows if they got in a fight? I do not know. Sounds like it. Um, but I didn't want to ask anything up front. I thought I would just wait until we were like, you know, together on the trip to like say, hey, what happened? You know? So anyways, he says, I have to go. I can't get through on the phone to Alaska Airlines. So after work, I'm going to go to their um, counter in person in San Jose. I'm going to drive over there and, um, and I'll let you know what happens. So I give him all of my information that he would need to change the ticket into my name. So Friday night I get, um, a text from him. Well, actually he called me and I was at, um, a varsity basketball game at Aptos High and he goes, Hey, 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 don't, no worries. Just hang up and I'll text you. So I'm all, okay, cool. So he's going to tell me all about, you know, the flight and like, we were going to have to basically leave at the next morning. We would would have had to have left our area probably like 3.30 in the morning because the flight left at 6 in the morning, which would have got us up to Portland super early. Um, sat It was Saturday. Oh, so yeah, the game was Friday night. Um, oh yeah, this all happened on Friday, not Thursday. Sorry. So anyways, um, he sends kind of a long text and basically the tickets, he could not get them switched into my name. Um, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but apparently you can't switch, um, tickets into another person's name. So, um, that was out. And he basically said another ticket would have been anywhere from 450 to $500. And I guess he just wasn't, you know, in the mood to like buy another airplane ticket, not knowing what's going to happen with the two that he, well, he would have used one of them, but anyways, he just decided to cancel the whole thing. He was selling the Springsteen tickets. He was going to, you know, just cancel the hotel and, and he was just going to stay home for the weekend which is fine. You know, totally like this was just a, such a crazy, like thought that he would even ask me. I was very flattered that he even thought of me. And, um, so it, you know, it was like, I felt like a queen, but it, it was so like easy for it to go away because it kind of landed in my lap so easily. Like I kind of knew like it could go away at any second too. And it did. So I was maybe disappointed for like a second and a half. That was about it. Like I told my mom, I wasn't disappointed very long because for one thing, I hate leaving my animals. I really do. Even though Owen would be here, um, I don't like leaving my animals. I'll like, they all sleep on my bed and I think they wonder where I am when I'm not home. So I don't like that. And then, um, Owen would have been home alone, which would have been fine too, but like he doesn't clean the house the way I like it. And so there probably would have been, you know, it wouldn't have been clean when I got home and then I'd have to be home and then would want to spend all this time cleaning the house, but literally would be having to, you know, get ready for work the next day and I'd be stressing out big time. So there's all of that. I don't like flying. I don't care about the plane. It's my eardrum and I've had, you know, my eardrum has ruptured twice on a plane. Um, both of those times were when I was, um, having, uh, when I had HIV, but it was untreated. So, I kind of think it was related to that, but it still is terrifying for me to be on a plane, to think that if my eardrum ruptures, there's literally nothing anybody can do for me. It is the most sheerest acute pain in your middle of your ear. I know they've talked about, I've heard people say that when you have an infected eardrum, that when it actually bursts, there's it's a relief. No, not when you're 27, 30,000 feet in the air. It's like wind is whistling through your eardrum and it's incredibly painful. It's like a sharp, it feels like you're getting like a knife in your ear. Um, and the only way to fix it, cause when it happened to me, um, it's like my vagus nerve. Um, it hit that immediately. And that whole effect happened where my face uh, turned white. 
Um, I had the ringing obviously in my ears, my, um, I like everything got quiet and I was about to throw up. Like everything happened so fast when it happened that first time on the flight. And I couldn't explain to anybody what was happening because I didn't really know myself. And so I didn't have any help. I felt very alone on that flight. It was from San Jose to Las Vegas and I was on my way to Montreal and I had to keep my fingers shoved in my ear for over a half an hour straight because every time I even slightly pulled it out, the pain was there instantly. And it was so sharp and so scary. And I remember the flight attendant saying, this gay man, I'll never forget him saying, well, maybe you should have like, you know, checked with a doctor before you flew. Like, uh, yeah, that didn't help at all. And I, it was, it felt like a medical emergency. And even the people sitting next to me, I was in the middle seat. Um, they weren't even like paying any attention to me and I was getting a bag and I'm like holding my finger in my ear and I'm like almost passing out in my seat. And I feel like the people were just ignoring me because they thought I was acting weird or something, but it was terrifying for all of those reasons. So I don't like flying because of that. Cause I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Um, so anyways, it, it was fine. It's fine. And then I thought, oh my God, like we, we would have been staying in a room together overnight. Like would I, would I have slept well? Would we be sharing a bed? Would we be having sex? Would we, would I have to take a crap in the morning and he's going to hear it? Am I going to not go? And then I'm going to have a stomach ache. Like all of these, these things. Cause I haven't, I haven't even seen him in person since 2021. So it's like, and now all of a sudden we're going on this romantic getaway to Portland. Like part of that sounded very exciting to me, but part of it also was like a little like overwhelming to me. I would have gone. I definitely would have gone if the ticket worked out. But, um, uh, you know, some of it was just extra stress that I'm glad I didn't have to deal with. So that is my, uh, Portland story. And I, and the weird thing is, is that I haven't heard from him. Like I literally said, no problem. Totally get it. Um, you know, it would have been fun to hang out and I appreciate you thinking of me. That's what I wrote as a response. And he didn't say anything back. So, some people have speculated that maybe he and the girlfriend got back together and that they actually did go together, but I don't think so. I don't think he's one to like lie about stuff like that. He's just, he's very old fashioned and I just don't see him like lying. I would see him more so saying, Hey, I hate to do this to you, but like, I feel like he would be honest about that, that things worked out with the person and they're going to go instead or whatever. And he'll owe it to me. And you know, who knows, but he didn't say anything. So I just think that if he's single and he knows clearly I'm single or else I wouldn't have said yes, you know, why haven't you asked me to like hang out this weekend? Like at least do one thing or something, you know, I don't know. I just think it's strange. So anyways, uh, there's that. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. I hope that you guys have a great week and I will catch you on the flip side next week. I think I'm going to talk about, um, disclosure of HIV and how I feel about the fact that I don't think anyone should have to disclose their HIV status and all of the reasons why. So I will get into that next week. I hope you guys have a good rest of this week and thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.